Well, we're, we're back um, in, our, in our series, I Am, and we are at the last um, saying, the last I Am, well, the last I Am saying here in John, because if we turn to Revelation, we would find out some more about I Am, but here, we're in John, the 15th chapter. John chapter 15, and we will, I'm going to start reading at uh, verse 1. John chapter 15, and I'll begin reading at verse 1. Jesus is speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Father, we... Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open your word. Father, we know that uh, whenever your word is open, uh, there is the um, privilege, Lord, of hearing your voice. We pray to hear your voice. Uh, we pray to respond, respond in obedience and faith. Uh, uh, we pray to, to rejoice. We pray, Lord, to be uh, uh, built up in it. Um, thank you, Lord. Um, for this time, for this moment, for these people, for this place, Lord. I ask, Father, for fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word. And we pray, Lord, that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Because, Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, most of you know you know, outside of our, our visitors, most of you know that we recently moved into our, our home in Delaware. Um, and so we, you know, we're getting settled in, you know, like, but, but like it is with, you know, moving into new homes, there's some things I'm still trying to figure out around the house, you know. Uh, I, I, I will mess with almost anything in the house except for the electricity. 
I, I did that before. I got the shock of my life. <laughs> I don't mess with the electricity. But so, so I had an electrician out. He was trying to help me with some circuits in the house. And, and then somehow he activated the landscape lighting that was there when we moved in. And so the landscape lighting uh, cut on. And so it was like, oh, it's, it's beautiful landscape lighting. And it was, nice, it, was, it was nice to see it come on, but then after a few days, I realized it never shuts off. <laughs> it just never shuts off. And so I, I've been in the basement uh, uh, flipping every switch that I could think of, unplugging stuff, but the lights will not go out. Uh, I, <laughs> whatever power source these lights are connected to it is not interrupted by me flipping switches or unplugging or whatever I'm doing. It's not phasing these lights. Uh, no matter what I do, they're, they're staying connected and they're abiding in that power source. Uh, and they continue to produce light day and night. They're abiding in that power source. Jesus is, is, is the source the power uh, for his disciples. He's the source for his disciples to produce fruitful lives. And he teaches them in the text today that no matter what, if they abide in him, they will bear fruit. If they abide in him, they will bear fruit. And, and so that's the, that's the text today. Abide and bear fruit. Abide and bear fruit. Some people, as soon as they hear the word abide, they start thinking about resting and relaxation. I'm not sure that's what he's getting at here, though. Uh, it, it sounds like work to me. I'm not sure, but um, abide, abide. If I had to squeeze the entire sermon down into a sentence for someone that might drift off, I would say abiding in Jesus produces lives that glorify God. Abiding in Jesus produces lives that glorify God. Last week, last week we heard Jesus comfort his disciples whose hearts were troubled after, they, after letting them know that he would be leaving them. It's troubling. He, he tells them to believe in him and, and trust the preparations that he was making for them, ensuring them that he was the only one who could get them to the Father, and that he do it. Uh, although he would be out of their sight, he went on to promise uh, also the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that would keep them in tune with Jesus and the Father. Jesus knew it was only hours before the cross. Hours before the cross. So as they traveled on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, for a time of prayer, he teaches them another truth to sustain them. Using the description, I am, here for the seventh time, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Beautiful vine. Jesus uses a, a metaphor here to describe the relationship between him, 
God the Father and the disciples. He calls himself the true vine, not just any vine, the true vine. Grape vines were a common and regular scene in the biblical lands and uh, in, in, uh, in Palestine and, and other, other than the production of wine, besides their being critical for the production of wine, which was also a symbol of, of joy and God's blessing, they were also used as examples for teaching. Frequently, you would hear someone speaking of the grapevine. Many times in the Old Testament, God used the prophets to describe Israel as a vine or a vineyard. Um, the vine became a symbol for them. God mentioned in Isaiah uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, that he planted Israel like a vineyard, but they didn't produce what he was looking for. Israel was supposed to represent for, uh, for God in the world and, and carry out his plans and purposes in the world, producing justice, righteousness, and blessings uh, for the downcast and for the stranger. This was part of Israel's assignment. It's what the vine of Israel was supposed to be producing. Uh, they, they were to live connected to God and help others encounter him, but they didn't. The Lord called their fruit wild or worthless grapes. In one translation, it said stinkberries. I like that trend. I might switch to that permanently. <laughs> he called it wild grapes uh, that they grew. When, when Jesus calls himself here the true vine, he's, he stands up to represent and fulfill what the whole nation of Israel should have been. Just him fulfilling all of what Israel should have been. He was the real one, the real vine. People have been trusting and placing their faith in people and systems that did not produce the life of God or lead and connect people with the power of God. Uh, uh, no matter what these systems or folks look like, they were not true. Jesus is the true vine. <clears throat> Jesus then points to the Father. He says, the father is the vine dresser, vine dresser, the, the gardener, the husbandman, uh, 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 the farmer. Uh, he's the one who examines and cares for the branches growing from his vine. Like any farmer, he desires the vine to be fruitful, as fruitful as possible. Whenever a vine dresser has a vine, he, he takes care of it by taking off branches that aren't growing any fruit so that they don't take up space and nutrients from the branches that are producing fruit. Then the vine dresser prunes or cleans the branches with fruit on them. He, he cuts them back and removes any unnecessary stuff till they reach a point where they will grow and produce even more fruit than they were already producing. Uh, he, he, he works on them. Jesus explains that the Father does that for his branches. He, he takes care of them. And now, uh, sometimes 
pruning might look like it's, it's hurting the plant. I don't know if there's any gardeners in here. Uh, it might look like it's hurting the plant, cutting pieces off. Uh, some, some parts that get cut off might even look green and, and vibrant. But, but when you're pruning, uh, uh, the, the vine dresser knows what to do. God knows what needs to go. Uh, there, there are sometimes things attached <laughs> that, that don't need to be attached. And God knows how to remove them. Uh, when God removes and cuts away some stuff from us, we, we may feel like he's intentionally hurting us. But once, once he's done, we grow. He, he wants us to have fruitful lives. Jesus lets his disciples know that they are, they are more ready than they think to be a part of this process, to face uh, what's coming. Uh, he says, already, verse 3, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Jesus has been getting them ready for almost three and a half years now. Uh, the, the word he's been giving them uh, that, that they've taken in and that they've believed has been cleaning them. The word uh, that, that, that's used in the scripture uh, that's translated here as clean is connected to the word translated as prune. It, it, it's related to our English word catharsis, uh, to let out the impure, the harmful, the unwanted stuff. Uh, there's another word but I, that, that can get you closer to what I'm saying, but I don't want to talk about it in, in polite company. This just follow catharsis down the line and you'll get there. Jesus, Jesus lets them know that his word has, has worked to clean them from the inside out. It's been working on them. Just, just earlier that evening, when Jesus had uh, stripped himself to wash the disciples' feet uh, uh, for the purpose of demonstrating love and service to them, uh, he, he mentioned that they were already clean. Because uh, Peter said, Lord, wash me all over <laughs> if, if this means I'll have something to do with you. Jesus said, no, if you're clean, you don't need a, a full, you just need your feet washed. And, then, and then, then he said, and you are clean, he said, except for one of you. <laughs> and, and so that was before Judas had left the room. Uh, uh, Jesus washed Judas' feet. That, that's not in the text. I, I, I mean, that's, I just wanted to share that. Let that, you know Judas? Jesus washed his feet. Ah, oh, Lord have mercy is right. Um, and, and right about now, him talking about uh, them being clean and his word cleaning them, I would expect somebody like Thomas to ask a question right here. But Thomas didn't, he let me down. Thomas didn't ask a question Last week he did for us, but this week he didn't ask the question. Um, I, I would have asked, how can words get dirt off of somebody? How can words clean? Well, I, I, I read ahead and I knew the answer that, that when, when dirt, when the dirt is spiritual, only a spiritual word can get to it. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit 
of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word gets in. Jesus said his word was spirit and life in John 6 and 63. Ephesians 5 uh, says that Jesus washed the church with the word. (laughs) When Jesus speaks and we believe and obey, his words cleanse us and make us ready to produce what God is looking for. The disciples were clean and connected, but Jesus tells them one more thing is necessary uh, to to be able to have the fruitful life uh, that you were destined to have. We, we, We have, you have, we have to stay connected, he says. We have to stay connected. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The hour is getting late, and now Jesus pulls his disciples closer and deeper into the picture that he's describing, uh, letting them know uh, the, uh, the enduring, intimate connection necessary for them to be able to have fruitful lives in the time that's coming. He tells them, abide, 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 to, to, to live, to, to be settled into, to Remain with him. In other words, stay intimately connected with me. Of all the Christian endeavors and activities, and we do a lot of stuff, there is none more crucial than this one. We serve, we fellowship, we sing, we... There is none more crucial than this one, abiding in him. Yet, it's as simple as a branch of a plant staying attached to the trunk of the tree. When the branch, Jesus breaks it down for them, and when the branch is removed, no more fruit will form or grow. Jesus will be leaving the disciples soon, but while he was with them, they, they received everything they needed to be clean and productive for God. And now if they're going to produce what the vine dresser is looking for, they have to stay connected. Not only are they to abide, it, it's, a, it's a mutual connection. Jesus needs to be abiding in them. Uh, in, in, a, in abiding, we recognize that at no time and in no circumstance are you ever apart from him. At no time and no circumstance are you ever apart from him. Uh, we, that should... Hallelujah. Uh, abiding. Abiding. Uh, he, he started off talking about branches bearing no fruit, and then how those bearing fruit would be pruned to bear more fruit. And now in verse 5, Jesus offers the way to bear much fruit. 
Uh, abiding in the true vine releases the blessings and power of God into the branches, making them fruitful. When they remain in him like branches, uh, what's in him flows into them. It, it flows flows into them. If they stick with Jesus, stay in intimate relationship with him, there will be much fruit. And if not, they won't have any. There will be nothing. And, and, and when we read this text in the world today, you, you know, we would say, of course, uh, people who don't know Jesus or uh, uh, claim to have a, a connection with Jesus, they accomplish things in the world. But I, I believe this nothing here means that, that it will be of no enduring spiritual worth. Uh, it, it, it'll be worth nothing, whatever is produced. So it was nothing. <laughs> Without him, nothing. Uh, even, even though Jesus is giving directions to his disciples about how to continue after he's gone from their physical sight, the word here invites us to examine our lives while we examine the word. Uh, it, it asks us, it begs the question, are you abiding, settled, living in Jesus? Is he abiding in you? Remember, the word is alive, it's active, and it, it gets down inside of us, and even between our thoughts and intentions. Is, is he abiding in you? It, it's, not, it's not good enough to just hang around Jesus' stuff or say you know him or, or give him a few hours on Sunday even. Uh, you, you have to be in constant, intimate connection to him. To me, one of the saddest situations in the entire Bible, and there's a lot of sad things in the Bible, but one of the saddest is the life of Judas, who hung around Jesus for three and a half years, walking, eating, sleeping, talking, but never really connecting intimately. Instead of remaining with him, Judas betrayed him, and it didn't end good for Judas. <laughs> Jesus doesn't demand something that can't be done from the disciples. And even though uh, fruit is expected, uh, he never even commands them to bear fruit. He only commands them to abide. He says, abide. Verse 6 says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and branches are the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned I, I don't know about you that doesn't sound good I don't like that one that verse 6 I almost skipped it but I knew y'all would be paying attention uh, Jesus I, I feel that he's, he's using the negative image to make the same point to just reiterate uh, what he's already said a disciple's, he, he's making the same point, a disciple's life spent not abiding in him is pointless. He, he's still using the metaphor about the branches, but he marks the person who chooses not to abide. He points them out. Their life turns out like this dried up branch. It's unfruitful. 
It's the wood from these types of branches is not good for building houses or furniture. It has only one purpose and one destination to get discarded, gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Jesus taught a, a similar thought in Matthew and Luke. As disciples were called to be the salt of the earth, he said that if the salt loses, it lost, if it's lost its flavor, it became useless and was thrown out and trampled under people's feet. It's the picture of an ineffective, wasted spiritual life. Jesus hadn't uh, brought his disciples this far for them not to go on and carry out his purpose in the world. They need to abide just like us. They need to abide. And this, this, this vine doesn't elicit the same response as the first vine that we put up. And I know it's a different kind of vine, but it, it, it looks unfruitful. But, but God, can, God can deal with that as well. Verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I like that. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so proved to be my disciples. Now, now Jesus shares one of the privileges of living and abiding in him. God hears and answers your prayers. That, that's, that's awesome. But we can't skip to the part that says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, and then ignore the first words. Many people have, have just grabbed the second part of this verse to treat God like a genie in a bottle. <laughs> uh, 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 they want to rub him only when they need or want something, believing he's obligated to give it to them. Uh, but the verse, Jesus is clear. It, it's a conditional promise. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then... You could ask. You can ask, and it'll be done. He says, only those who are living in me constantly, those who have my word living in them, they can ask what they want and expect an answer because my word will produce in them requests that match my character and purpose. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not a carte blanche. It's not, uh, uh, you know, an... an uh, uh, an uh, uh, unsigned check. No, Jesus is saying those that are in me have this privilege because I'm in them. And, and so the question, question that arises is, does the life, character, and purpose of Jesus abide in your prayers? The life character, think, think about your last three prayers. Skip the breakfast prayer. The life character and purpose of Jesus, does it abide in your prayer? Uh, we, we all have uh, something abiding in us. Jesus says his, his word should be abiding in us. 
but we all have something abiding in us. It either, it either makes us fruitful or unfruitful for God. And you can tell what's in you by what comes out of you. Somebody once said that Christians are like tea bags. You never know what kind they are until they get in hot water. <laughs> and that's when the flavor comes out. We were riding behind somebody this morning and they kind of cut us off. And I was like, I can't respond. They might be going to the church. <laughs> Pray for me. When God's word is in you, what you ask for will be different. It, it, you, you, something different will come out of you. You, know? you, you won't ask for the number for the Powerball. I got, maybe somebody will. I'm, I'm going to tell you now, God's not going to answer that. He's not going to answer that. Look at this. Uh, here's a, there was a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody see Hacksaw Ridge? Hacksaw Ridge, that movie was awesome. It, it was, and, and I love movies based on true stories, based on a true story. Uh, Private First Class, PFC Desmond Doss, who because of his Christian faith didn't want to kill or carry a weapon to war. It's okay. <laughs> Some of my hunters said, what's wrong with this guy? No. Uh, in, in the battle at Okinawa, with many of uh, uh, his, his fellow soldiers wounded and stranded up on top of the ridge, Private Doss refused to save himself, but instead started running behind the enemy lines, going up the ridge, running behind the enemy lines, and carrying, caring for uh, the wounded and carrying them to safety. He did this all through the night while they were under attack. He was weak, he was exhausted, but he was connected. His, he, he prayed a simple prayer. He was connected. Please, Lord, help me get one more. All night long. By the next day, he had saved 75 men. God heard and answered his prayer. Uh, he was abiding in Jesus. <laughs> He prayed a prayer that would bear much fruit and glorify God. His, his fruit, his words, and his deed uh, showed him to be a disciple of Christ. It, it doesn't matter uh, uh, what, you, what you call yourself or what others call you. It, it matters what your life produces. In case somebody uh, has been thinking by now, and, and I pray, that we are, uh, uh, I want to abide in Jesus. I want to be abiding in Jesus. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I just don't know how. Let me help. I, I was going to give an example of, of, of a teenager. We're talking about abiding. I was going to give an example of a teenager in their cell phone. But then I thought, you know, that, that wasn't, it wasn't fair. To be fair, it's not just them and their cell phones today. It used to be teenagers and their cell phones, but now uh, 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 abiding, a picture of abiding. Uh, we 
are abiding in our cell phones. Not all of us. Two of us, maybe not, right? We are abiding in our cell phones. We are continuously, all day long, counting on and interacting with our cell phones. Uh, They're by the bed at night. Uh, They're there first thing in the morning when we wake up. Uh, We are abiding in our phones. Our, Our phones are in the bathroom. I haven't been spying on you. I just, we are abiding in our cell phones. But some of us, some of us say, well, I rely on it for work. Uh, well, well, some of us are abiding in work. We're trusting and relying and constantly connected to it. Some of us are abiding in friends or relationships or some, some people are abiding in substances. Uh, uh, abiding, you, you know what abiding is. It, it, it's, a, it's a choice, though, of, of your desire of how and who you want to abide in. A, a, better, a, a better way to put it is that when it comes to Jesus, we abide in him in prayer, in reading, in hearing, and in following his word. We abide in him that way. We abide when we make a constant moment-by-moment decision to depend on Christ, trusting and relying on him to supply everything we need to be fruitful. Abide. We abide by recognizing and living out the reality that I mentioned earlier that at no time in no circumstance are you apart from him. Paul, Paul put it this way. I, I like how Paul put it in Galatians 2 and 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet I live. But not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, you're seeing me, but it's really Christ." It's a, it's a picture of abiding. Let's close with a question and a thought that what, what kind of stuff is your life producing right now? It will produce proportionately to whatever you are abiding in. What kind of stuff is your life producing right now? Is it fruitful? Is it glorifying God? And, and, and when it comes to, to, to producing the fruit that glorifies God, we don't have to guess or, or, or hope so. We don't even have to focus on bearing the fruit. Jesus says we just need to abide in him. Abide in him. Amen. Amen.